Mic check, one, two, one, two, one, two. You're tuned to the sounds of the Steinway crew. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast. I'm your host, Ben Finan, Editor-in-Chief of Listen, Life with Music and Culture, a print quarterly published by Steinway and Sons. Visit steinway.com slash listen to subscribe or learn more. My guest today is the Steinway artist Robert Glasper, a jazz pianist with R&B leanings. Glasper reveals in our interview, I feel like I was put on earth for crossover. Glasper is a two-time Grammy winner for his albums Black Radio and Black Radio 2. He recently wrote music for the score of the Miles Davis film, Miles Ahead, and released an album of covers for jazz trio titled Covered. He spoke to me from Steinway's global headquarters in New York City. I, I check the music climate to see what I feel the universe needs and what I feel like where I'm at, you know what I mean? And then I, then I do a project. I'm using that. <laughs> I'm using that. That's, that's um, literally what I do. Because I feel like you have to, I feel like I have to, you know, when, when I see what's wrong I, in, in the music industry, I'm like, okay, you know what, let me put this in there. Let me, let me put this in there. How do you know, how do you know it's what's... It's not about me or this is what I just, this is just what I want to do. How do you know what's wrong? Because I just listen to what everybody's doing. I, I check out all the new artists coming out. I see what artists are, are crossing over and I just see what's happening. You know what I mean? That's why I actually went back to Trio. Um, because people in the music climate in the world were asking me to play trio. They wanted to hear me play more piano. I just signed with Steinway. It was like all this stuff was happening at the same time, so it made sense. Like, you know what? Yeah, let me do a piano trio album, and since we already won those two Grammys for Mm -hmm. R&B, I can take a step away from R&B for a second and reveal to the R&B people what I really do, you know? And so it was like, hey, let me do this record, cover it, but do some songs y'all might have heard before. To kind of close the gap, okay, know? and then so that so this is like gap closing. So you're telling me there's a two way relationship time. between audience and artist. Oh you're, yeah, you have to. Be. You're okay with giving the people what they want. You have to. I mean, if you don't, then it's like masturbation, mm-hmm. musical masturbation. You're just there for yourself, or your ivory tower, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it depends on your thing. Because for me, I have a lot of different sides, so I can choose what side of me. I want to get to the audience that they can understand and they like. If you have one side only, if you're just one-dimensional, then you have a problem because you can only do one thing. And if those people don't like that one thing you can do, then that's, you know, that's it for you, which could be great if you're Bon John, Bon Jovi or something right. works for you. That's right. You, you, know? can, you can play Slippery when, when oh, went for the next 40 years. Totally, but when you're you know? struggling, when you're a musician, mm-hmm. and it behooves you to be able to do more than one thing. So you can kind of grasp a little bit from each crowd. I'm not selling out Madison Square Garden, right. you know, you know. But in my my little audience of what I have, I know that I can grasp a bu- a, a, a group from every group, you know, because of the different styles I play. And so I, I cater to that, you know. Miles catered to that. I asked Herbie I, when I was with Herbie um, during the um, during the Miles movie shooting. How come on the, on the bootlegs of the Miles, of all the Miles bootlegs I hear, I never hear bootlegs of like Pinocchio or Nefertiti or Riot or, you know, Fall, any of those dope tunes that y'all recorded? And Herbie said, because at, the, at that time period, when we recorded those songs, 
no one knew our records. No one knew those songs. So Miles wanted to play songs people knew. Right. That's why when you hear Miles Bootlegs of live shows, it's always standards. It was always around midnight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. Stella by Starlight. Mm-hmm. All these other, you know, they're no greater love. Just all these standards because Miles wanted to play songs that people knew. And that's what, you know, that's what you've done with using standards of today. We're not, people don't know Stella by Starlight anymore. Kids don't know that. No. But they know... Radiohead, exactly. They know, you know, Joni's in the songbook, exactly. And Kendrick Lamar and Bilal, yeah. That's that's what my climate is right now. So I'm just playing to that, you know. But uh, yeah, Stella by I put Stella by Style on the album, and I flipped it in a way that they can appreciate mm-hmm. it. Whether you know that tune, whether you know that tune yeah. or not, people are always like, "Yo, what's that dope tune where the drummer's doing that beat? <laughs> what, what's that groove?" Because yeah, yeah, it's stupid, you know what I mean. But it it made it accessible, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to put a little seasoning on some for somebody else to eat it. Son, you know, sometimes I have to, you know, you got to put a little syrup on mm-hmm. or a little honey what on something. Kids love that ketchup. Yeah. It hits you. And guess what? They're the eating it. The su- yeah. 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 He's eating Cheerios now. Plain Cheerios with a little honey on it, though. Okay. But that's not honey nut. Not honey nut. You know what I'm saying? But that's what I'm giving them. A little, little, little jazz with a little honey on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you talked about all your sides. Let's... Let, Let's get into what those sides are for people mm-hmm. who don't know you like I know you. You know what I'm saying? Not that side, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so you you got more than just R and B leanings. You got pop leanings. You got rock leanings. Uh, tell me, tell me how you arrived, Robert, at your rather expansive aesthetic. My uh, eclectic palette, uh, <laughs> my uh, enigmaticism. Um, it came from my mom. My mom was a singer and pianist, and you know she did a lot of different gigs. Like literally seven days a week, she would she would do shows, and every day of the week it was like a different show. So she would do literally uh, a jazz. Um, she played this little jazz club, where she would just play piano and sing standards. Then she would do a country western gig mm-hmm. on another day, literally mm-hmm. in a barn. No, literally, it's a club that was shaped like a barn in Houston. Bar hay around everything. Um, another night, it would be all R&B, you know, Aretha Franklin, Shaka. Sundays, she was the music director at church, you know. Um, she had a pop rock, more pop rock gig where she would do songs from uh, Billy Joel. So that's why I, I love, I'm a big Billy Joel fan, you know. Um, full disclosure, full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We went to the Billy Joel concert together. Oh, yes. That was awesome. It was awesome. One of the greatest times of my life. It was amazing. Robert was a raisin in the sun. You know what I mean? But he, he, you know, yeah, he made it through. I did. And when he played the So It Goes, I lost it. I love it. Yeah, you know, all, all the Elton John tunes and, you know, all, all those tunes she used to play and sing. Um, so then when I, when, I, when I go to school, it's hip-hop now. You know, then it's, it's, it's rock music now. Right. I, I grew up as a skateboarder, actually. Mm-hmm. I was a skater. I was one of those, you know, four black dudes in the, in the white neighborhood, and all my friends yeah. were white, and, yeah. and we built half pints and skated sure. and listened to rock. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was, 
Red Hot Chili Peppers, grunge, it was, Queen, it was grunge. all we're, that we're grunge, yeah, pre grunge, all yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You know, that was when around time when um when Nirvana first came out, when right. I first heard Teen Spirit, I was like sixth grade, you know, which is where my love for that song comes from. So let's put all that together. How does it, you're able to harness that now? Now it's just what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't, pers- I, I literally don't know how not to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not, how, not to, how not to let that contaminate yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a blender. Like all this stuff is in the blender and this is just what it is. This, this is the juice. And I don't know how to separate it. I can separate it. No, I don't want to say I don't know how. You know, it's not one of them things where it's like, a lot of times when you're a gospel musician, everything you play sounds like gospel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not that, because I can separate things and make it sound authentic separately. You know, but I guess what I'm trying to say is meshing things together comes easier for me. And playing those things authentically comes easy because I played them all my life. I played weddings growing up. I used to play with my mom and her band. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've, I've literally come up playing all this music. When it comes to hip-hop, I play with all the masters, most of the masters of the genre. When it comes to jazz, I play with most of the masters of the genre. You know, so I've studied everything I'm doing. It's not like one of them things where I'm playing at the genre because it's cool. Mm-hmm. I've literally played all these things on stage with people of that era. Right, you know? right. And so it, it's, uh, that's very important in learning anything, when you're doing anything, to study it. You know, you can't just pick up a, you know, pick up some kind of surgery tools and go in, but all right, yo, I'm gonna cut your stomach open. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> you might want to study a little bit. I don't think so. You know, so I don't want to give people that same thing musically. You know what I mean? So your your playing's very sensitive. It's very deft. It's very smooth. I'd say you drift more toward toward harmony mm-hmm. than than toward dissonance. There's mm-hmm. some dissonance there, mm-hmm. but it's it's judiciously used. Yes, totally. So. Yeah. Is that a conscious decision, or is that, again, just an output of what's gone in? Yeah. When it comes to dissonance and using a lot of dissonance, you almost have to, when, you, when, you're, when you're playing, for, for me, the audience I'm trying to win over, that will totally, they, it will lose them completely. Mm-hmm. It will totally lose them. Most of the time when you're playing very, very dissonant, it's only people who understand that in the first place. So this, this is a conscious populism oh, totally. on your part. Oh, totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, my stuff, I want people that listen to the radio listen mm-hmm. to my music I feel like that's how you cross over you know that for me you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um, that that's literally how you cross over you do something that they kind of understand already they kind of have a uh, relationship a with reference already. point a reference point and that's what's wrong with the music the jazz music today there's no reference to today anymore mm-hmm. you know what I mean jazz music most people when when they're playing jazz their the reference is you know it's from the 60s. Right. For the most part. The big big majority of the music. There are people who are playing themselves now. But for the most, the majority of jazz musicians, you know, we're stuck in the, in, we're, we're 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's also, an, um, I would say, an unfortunate cluster of jazz musicians who are going toward, who, who consciously go toward the inaccessible and, and the esoteric. Oh, yeah, totally. It's, it's an inside. Oh, know, yeah. It's like, 
All right, tonight we're going to do the tritone substitution on the bugs. Exactly. You know I mean? And you preach it to the choir. You're right. not That's gaining right. any new fans. Those kind of cats yeah. never gain new fans. Their fan base is always the same. Mm-hmm. And so it's always the same people who understand that already right. or who like that. That's that's it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's that's one thing. I'm not right. knocking it's that. Good. That's, that's good, but it's good. But it's that's good. It's not going to it's not going to get you a no a crowd. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Or and, and, and I feel like I was put on earth for crossover. Okay. I feel like that's what I'm here for. Hold it right there. Jazz has long influenced hip hop, yes. Robert Glasper, but now I would say we're at the point where hip hop is influencing jazz. Totally. Because so first of all, that's a fair statement. Totally fair. Now, in your music specifically, I hear it in what hip hop for a long time has been calling loops, right. where the loops actually become the main exactly. material. Can you exactly. speak to that? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really. And what's funny is it's really not even new. Because it comes before hip-hop, actually, because right. even Train knew that. It's meditation. Mm-hmm. No, that's why Train would just have one chord and vamp on that one chord. Because then it's a mantra. It's prayer. Mm-hmm. It's the repetitiveness that... Get, it's yoga. It's all that, that freeing your mind. And it's not about, let me play these changes. Let me show you how, how I know all this harmony. It's very, very spiritual. That's where hip hop is coming from. It's a, it's a, uh, you know, obviously hip hop is like it's like jazz. It both came out of, you know, oppression, you know, and, and depression and um, something really, really, really bad. And then you have this beautiful music mm-hmm. that came out of that. Most art is like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Going going back to the blues. Period. Exactly. Um, so, for me, that's what hip hop is. It's like literally a mantra, and these these these. These loops happen, two bar loops or four bar loops, and they keep happening over and over again. And it literally it puts you in some sort of trance. And uh, where does the where does higher. the creativity come in? If if I'm playing devil's advocate and I say, oh well, this is just this is just these four chords right. over and over and over. Right. What it, it, is the creativity then? Yes, but how do I sustain interest? How do I vary the coloration? How do I vary the order? The creativity comes from how do I make you feel. It's not about what all, let me show you everything I can do over this. Mm-hmm. It's not, when people come to my shows, I'm not necessarily trying to always wow you and mm-hmm. dazzle you with my pianistic skills. <laughs> I'm trying to change how you feel. It's, you know what I mean? It's, some things are based on feeling. That's where the creativity comes in. It's like, yeah, I didn't play much, but you cried. I didn't play much, but you laughed. Mm-hmm. I didn't play much, but I had you thinking about all kinds of things, you know what I mean? So sometimes I like to leave space and let you, let your mind be the creative thing and see what comes up in your mind. So really it's a mutual thing. Mm -hmm. I always say it's like I supply the apartment and I let you move in your furniture, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. So for me, make, that's... Make your, make your space my space. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's, that's where the creativity comes in. It's not so obvious. It's like, but how do you feel? You know what I mean? Like, for instance, when you're getting a massage, they not they purposely don't play music that's a lot going on. You know, they play music that frees your mind and it's just space. Mm. And it's very, you know, like that. So that's kind of my version of that. 
live. You know what I mean? I want to be the soundtrack to your thoughts. And I want to leave room for your thoughts. You know what I mean? That's the vibe. Boom. You know? Boom. But sometimes you get a little more explicit because you, you'll have these, um, let's call it a spoken word soundscape, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you you have a, I want to call it a supportive groove because mm-hmm. the um, got over, what's the what's the gentleman's? Oh, Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte, yes. uh, which one of the most affecting speeches oh, totally. of the century, totally. uh, talking about how he's he's how he got over, how he's not educated, but how he mm-hmm. he got through, and mm-hmm. and his is an unlikely story, et cetera, mm-hmm. and so. That's happening on top, and then you're almost supporting that narrative mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you with know what? your that music. Comes, and I realize, I'm just realizing this just now. I've never had this thought before, I and mean, this totally makes sense. That comes from church, mm-hmm. because in church, growing up, we would always play softly under the preacher, under the deacon that's saying the prayer. There was always a prayer being said, but under the prayer, there's always music under the prayer. And the music was supporting the prayer, not getting in the way, but just supporting the prayer. And that's where that comes from. All the times I've done it, I realize just now in this moment, Mm -hmm. that's what that is. Let me tell you who I am. I'm not dead yet. So the sum total has not yet been added up. So let me tell you who I think I am. I'm one of the ones of color who got over. I'm one of the ones your bullet missed. And you know, because as musicians, a lot of times, most musicians, musicians, we don't have a strong voice in what's going on in the world today, in the in the um, political climate or the you know the the climate of the society right now with all that's going on with the police and all that stuff. We don't have a strong voice. Most musicians don't even have a big platform. Um, instrumentalists. Um, because a lot of times we'll write a song and it'll be like, yeah, this is for, you know, Ferguson. Mm-hmm. But if you just play it on the radio or if somebody hears it and they, they didn't hear you say, this is for Ferguson, they, you know, the, the, the message the might not. Isn't yeah, the context yeah. isn't there. And yeah. the message might get lost. Mm-hmm. When I put spoken word to things, now the message can't get lost. It's, mm-hmm. It translates to everyone. You know what I mean? Everybody speaks English. Everybody. And there's knows. no way around it. That's not. You know, no. You, you can't cut it out. You can't cut it out. Mm-hmm. People people understand English, mm-hmm. but they don't always understand music. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of it. Wow. People like okay. it. People may like certain music, but they don't really understand it all the time. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to leave out, especially when it's a really important uh, subject. I'm trying to I'm trying to get across a, re- a really important view. I want to get across. And I know I can't get, necessarily get across musically. So I'm like, well, let me get someone to say it. Mm-hmm. So then, there's no discrepancy at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And now, white people disclaimer: if, if you don't understand what uh, Mr. Glasper is talking about here, as far as music and uh, as far as organ and drums supporting what the deacon is saying, <laughs> go ahead and check out uh, Obama's fantastic eulogy for the victims of the Charleston shooting, mm. um, where he uh, he eventually goes into Amazing, Amazing Grace. Grace. But before that, at high points in his speech, uh, you'll hear a sustain of, of, of an organ come in, and that is to sustain what the speaker is saying. As we all have to acknowledge, the flag has always represented more than just ancestral pride. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
fermenting. Black and white. That flag was a reminder of systemic oppression and racial subjugation. We see that now. It's almost like a movie as well. Mm -hmm. That's right. A soundtrack. Lot people, soundtrack. A yeah. lot of people don't realize how much a soundtrack really makes or breaks a movie. Knowing when to have music and knowing when not to have music. That's right. When to get out of the way. When to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. When to shut up. It's be, it's more, when to, knowing when to shut up is just as important as knowing when to talk. Right. You know what I mean? Right. The, in many different situations. You yeah. know what I mean? So Especially as an interviewer. Right. Or an interviewee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there are some interviewer, interviewers that just don't let the person get a word in edgewise. Mm -hmm. They're always inflecting their shit and won't let you finish talking. Yeah. You know and I mean? he's speaking specifically about Charlie Rose. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> the Robert Glasper experiment, Black Radio and Black Radio 2, which is where you, you uh, earned those Grammys, I see the Robert Glasper experiment as this kind of jazz, R&B, hip-hop collective. Yeah. And I see that as part of a trend that's happening totally. now on albums. I mean, for, for a very long time in hip-hop, of course, you have featured uh, rappers guesting on tracks. Right. But now, happily, the Sometimes the guests are taking over. There's no star to the show. Right. Uh, and, we, and we see that, too, on uh, Kendrick Lamar's brilliant album, mm -hmm. uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, which you were, you were mm -hmm. involved on the keys. Mm -hmm. So talk about, you know, what's the atmosphere or the planning behind setting something like that up? Man, I always say I, the universe co-produces all my albums mm -hmm. because nothing goes the way I want it. <laughs> you know, I have a, it's, it's adorable when you have some stuff in your mind how you think it should go. It's actually adorable, but you know, then life actually happens and it, it, the, it the takes... album is what happens when you're busy making other plans. <laughs> Thank you, John, yeah. Mr. John Lynn. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that's totally the vibe. So what I do for these albums, I have like 20 guests in my mind or 30 guests in my mind, and most of them for Black Radio One, I knew everybody. Yeah. I just text everyone, like, yo. I'm doing an album, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So all the artists always say, yeah, cool, I'm down. But then when you get to the manager, that's one conversation. The, the agents and, yeah. the, and, the, and the record labels and, yeah. you know, it, it, different conversations. And some people just, the timing doesn't work out. They're working on their own album or they're on tour or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So I just throw a big net and when I pull the net in, whoever's left is what I do. You know what I mean? Some things come last minute, work out, you know. You know, like Snoop, for instance, when Snoop got on it, Snoop got on the record. But yeah, I, I just I let the universe make half of it. That's pretty much how how it always goes, you know. And it just unfolds like that. Even with Kendrick Lamar's album, you know, he's kind of like that too. He's kind of just like 
everything's not necessarily thought out. I don't think he's very of the moment. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I was I went to the studio to play one song mm-hmm. to play on for free. That was it. And then while I was there, he was like, "Oh my god, man, you're killing! Yo, pull up so and so, pull mm-hmm. up this, pull up that." Mm-hmm. And then one sitting, I played on eight songs. You know, right there, he was like, yeah. "Play what you hear." What do you hear on it? Play what but you that's it. But all that said, that's a tightly wound album that he's put together, and he brings it together again with spoken word. This I remember you was conflicted totally. dialogue that runs through, through the whole thing, and, and just a crushing finale that you don't Amazing. see coming. Amazing, yeah. and that finale, yeah, man. I played that finale. I came back to L.A. during the Grammys, and uh, during that Grammy week, we went to the studio and did that the very last song yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. But he he, he um, interviews Tupac. You know, that was just like. Absolutely amazing, you know. Mortal Man. Do you know why Snoop Dogg carries an umbrella? I have no idea. For drizzle. For drizzle. <laughs> Is that the new joke? <laughs> You've been listening to Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast. Visit steinway.com soundboard to learn more. We heard clips from Stella by Starlight, Reckoner, and Got Over, all from the Robert Glasper trio album Covered on Blue Note Records. We also heard Smells Like Teen Spirit and Afro Blue from the Robert Glasper Experiment album Black Radio, also on Blue Note. And we heard Mortal Man from Kendrick Lamar's album To Pimp a Butterfly on Aftermath and Interscope Records. Our intro and outro music is Mad Rush by Philip Glass, performed live on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief of Listen, Life with Music and Culture. Visit steinway.com listen to learn more.